So today, we're, we're looking at the second in our series of this idea of mission. And the word that I've got to look at is the word message. That's what we're looking at. So for the next 10 weeks, last week, Beck started off. Can you remember what word Beck had to talk about last week? God. Yeah, it was an easy topic. She gets all the easy topics. She just had to cover God. So our responsibility with this, to live a missional life, that's what we're looking at over the, the 10 weeks our responsibility to live a missional life. And this week, we're looking at the message. What is the message? What's the message that we've got to give, the message that we've got to tell? What is our story? Stories are, are, are really important. They, 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 they ground us and, and we live them out. And stories that we tell each other are really powerful. People listen far more to stories than they do to middle-aged men preaching. You know, you'll remember stories more than anything else about this sermon. Stories are really powerful. Let me give you an example. I was watching a documentary a couple of weeks ago on World War II. <clears throat> it was actually on the American uh, battle uh, against Japanese and the Pacific as they island hopped towards Japan. And in April 1945, the battle for Okinawa began. And if you don't know, the battle for Okinawa was a terribly bloody battle. Thousands of people died in that battle. Many, many of them needlessly. Because the Japanese government told a story to the, the civilians in Okinawa First of all, they told them not to leave. And then they said to them this, if the Americans win the battle, and this is mainly to the, the women and children because the men were all in the army and expected to, to kill themselves fighting. But if the Americans win the battle, they will rape you. They will kill you. They will kill your children. They will do horrific things to you before eventually they kill you. And this was the propaganda, this was the story that the, the, the Japanese government told the civilians of Okinawa. And stories carry immense power. By coincidence, uh, the Americans had decided to take a film crew with them to film the events. And after a, over a month of fighting, the Americans got the upper hand and what happened then was tragic. The, the women of the island got their children and threw them off the cliffs. And then they jumped off the cliffs themselves. And this was filmed on camera as thousands of women and children jumped off the cliffs because of the story they believed. The story they were told they believed it. Now, the Americans were, were, were there to look after them. They, they looked after them. They cared for them. Any women and children that, that they caught, you know, they gave them food and, and medication. But they didn't know that because they believed a different story. And it's a tragedy what happened as so many thousands of lives were lost. I, I cried as I watched that documentary at the loss of innocent lives. 
You see, stories shape us. We live by stories. We live out our lives by, by stories. We choose to live it that way. And as Christians, you know, we believe that we have a story to tell, a good story. Good news. That's what the word gospel means. It means good news. So here's a question for you. What is the story that you believe? What is the story that shapes your life, that affects your life decisions? Came across this guy called William Irvin. And you'll come across him if you watch the video this week, the second, for the second week. And he said this, William Irvin said this, there's a danger that you might mislive, that despite all your activity, despite the pleasant diversions you might have enjoyed while alive, you will end up living a bad life. Living wrongly because you lived out the wrong story. You get to the end of your life and you realize, I've mislived. I've not lived out the right story. These Japanese women and children killed themselves because they lived out the wrong story, because they believed the wrong story. These Americans were there to save them, but actually, they didn't believe it. You know, we live out in our society, and you as an individual, we live out several stories at once. And when we put these stories together, they form what the intellectuals call as your worldview, how you see the world. And, and societies in general have quite a collective worldview. You might have an Eastern worldview and a Western worldview. And the Western world worldview has been shaped over the past couple of hundred years by the Enlightenment and by views of science and historical culture. And that is very little space for God in the Western worldview. But the Christian worldview is different. The way that Christianity views the world, the way that Christians should view the world is different. We follow a different story. And just, by the way, it's not a story that goes against science or excludes science, but it's a story which has God in the middle, the good news in the middle. Let me just remind you of the Christian story. Now, I'm going to use lots of quotes from the Bible as I go through this because um, I want you to understand this is the Christian story from the Bible, not Rob Milton's story. So it starts off at the beginning with the very first word, in the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the beginning of the Bible. That's the beginning of the Christian story. It starts off with the premise that God created the universe. Doesn't say how, by the way. Many theories of how that happened. But the Bible isn't a science book. But it does say why. And it tells us in Genesis and throughout the Bible that he wanted to have a relationship with us. 
God created the universe and he wanted to have a relationship with us. That's the beginning of the Christian story. And then the next part of the Christian story is what's referred to in, in, in Christian circles as the fall. It's where humans stuff it up. And we're all humans and we know we, we do that quite sufficiently. And humans chose not to follow God's guidelines. And the Bible calls that sin. When we don't follow God's guidelines, God's rules. And we're told in, in Romans chapter 3 in verse 23, something, I don't know if you find this comforting or not, but in Romans 3 and 23 it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The good news is we're all in the same boat. Nobody falls outside that criteria. Not Mother Teresa, not Gandhi, not Steve McGannity. You know, nobody. Not even Sheila Milligan. As godly as she is, we all fit inside this boat. And the boat is, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, we're told that sin separates us from God. So there's the setup. We've all done something wrong. None of us are perfect. We're all in the same boat. But sin separates us from God. So therefore, we're not able any longer to be in relationship with God. Everybody. Anybody. You, me, yeah? nobody's excluded from that, which is not a great place to be. But God had a plan. And in the, in the video you might watch in a week, we call that restoration. And in John chapter 3, verse 16, probably the most well-known verse in the Bible, we get God's plan summarized. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a wonderful verse. I've quoted it in a different version, but you get the idea. It's a wonderful verse. Because God loved you so much, take that in. Because God loved you so much, he had a plan. And he provided Jesus as a solution so that we could be restored into relationship with him. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now that's pretty black and white there. It confirms the previous thing. That the wages of sin, what sin earns, the consequences of sin, what it results in, the result of sin is death, is separation, is annihilation, is no more. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The Bible is explicit. It is absolutely clear that the only way that we get to have a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. Nothing else. It's through accepting what Jesus Christ has done. And Jesus, to be crystal clear, says it himself in John chapter 14 and verse 6. He says, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can't get it much clearer than that. Jesus says, if you want to have a relationship with God, if you want to be with God now and forever, well, the way to do it is through accepting what I have done. And what Jesus did was to die on the cross. He died on the cross so that we could have a relationship with God. And that is great news. That is good news. Because it means that we have an opportunity to be with God now and forever. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, that not by yourself, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's an act of faith. I want to encourage you this morning to think about that act of faith, of taking that step of declaring that Jesus is Lord. So the Christian story is about that we can live with God forever. You know, a previous vicar, who a lot of you will know, the, the Reverend Stuart Reed, had a, a, a quote that he used to like to say very often. And he said, the Christian hope is not pie in the sky when you die, but, what was the second half that used to say? Cake on the plate while you wait. That's the very, or steak. It could be a cauliflower steak. It could be, you know, it could be a vegan steak. Steak on the plate while you wait. Whether it's cake or steak or what kind of steak it is, the point he was making was, we don't become Christians so that when we die, we live with God forever. We become Christians to live the best life possible. You know, Jesus said himself in John chapter 10 and verse 10, I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. The idea of Christianity is to live, live the best life possible for your three score and 10 years plus that. That's the idea, isn't it? That's the idea. You know, you, Christianity is the best way to live your life. Don't mislive it. Don't get to the end and realize I believed the wrong story. But although that's the Christian story, for us it doesn't end there. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 tells us something different. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? You see, if you call yourself a Christian, you are commanded to tell. Beck spoke last week about the five signs of mission that the Church of England promote. And the first one is tell. We are required to tell others the story. 
You see, our reading this morning that you all said, probably, was, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. For the salvation of everyone who believes. That was really, really, really powerful words that you said. I'm glad, John, you did that. The gospel, the good news, is salvation for anyone who believes. Do we believe that? Do we actually believe that the good news is the only way for people to be saved, for salvation? The last thing that Jesus said to his merry band of followers on the Mount of Olives was what we call the Great Commission. And he said, Go and make disciples. We have a responsibility to tell our story. Now, last week in our missional community, I, I challenged our missional community. Could you tell your story? If somebody said to you, why are you a Christian? Could you tell them? If you sat in a cafe... If you sat at work over lunch, if you're whatever, and somebody said to you, I believe you're a Christian. Why are you a Christian? Could you tell them? In a minute, in two minutes. I don't see lots of smiling, confident faces. I see a few. You need to, you need to be able to do that. So I said to our mercial community, who's going to come up onto the platform and tell their story? in just a couple of minutes. And Pat said, I will. Pat's only done this once before. It was an hour ago. So she's now a professional. So Pat, if you want to come up here, and Pat is going to tell you why she's a Christian. Good morning, everybody. Um, <clears throat> when I was growing up, um, my mum took me to church and to Sunday school. Then when I got to the age of 14, I went to YPF, you know, youth club. And um, I enjoyed it. I went along there to be with my friends and uh, play records, snooker, what have you. Um, and after a while, I noticed that um, there were two types of people that went. There were there, those that were there to enjoy themselves. And then there was another group, and there was something special about them. And they were very caring and... <clears throat> really cared about people and they had something special in their lives and um, a deep inner peace, uh, especially David and Jean Hewitt, who were the, that was a curate and his wife who ran it. And I was drawn to these people and I, I wanted to be like them. There was something special about them. Um, so that's what made me decide to become a Christian, um, give my life to Jesus, really. So that's what happened. Pat mentioned something at the end there, which I've not mentioned yet, which is a, a bewildering thing. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 that when we become a Christian, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit, God, comes inside us. God, the Holy Spirit. And Pat recognized that in other people. I mean, 
that's, that's wonderful, but it's also a challenge. It's categorically a challenge for me. You know, would my friends, do my family, do colleagues, do they recognize anything in me? Anything that makes them think, what's that guy got that I've not got? These people just had something that made Pat want to find out. Thank you, Pat, for, for sharing that. So I want to challenge you this morning to know your story, to be able to tell your story at the drop of a hat, to be able to have been told it so many times that you can tell it without thinking. In fact, more than that, to know the key Bible verses off by heart that explain your story, that explain the good news. Because it needs to be God's word that penetrates. And if this morning you're listening to all this and you're thinking, I have never taken a step to ask Jesus into my life, to ask the Holy Spirit into my life, I have never taken this story on board myself. I want to encourage you this morning that you have an opportunity this morning to say whatever you want to say. In fact, it doesn't really matter. God knows what you're thinking. But to say, you know, God, I, I want you. I, want it. I choose you. I want you. I choose Jesus. I want to live with you and be with you, reign with you, and have you helping me live my life. Well, anything like that, you can do that this morning. In fact, very soon that the band will come up to play and there'll be people at the back to, to pray for you. If you want somebody to pray for you about that, please just go to the back during, during the, the, the music and, and people at the back will pray for you. Or if there's anything else that's on your mind this morning that you would like praying for, if there's a, a, an illness or condition that you'd like us to pray for you about with regards to healing, please come to the back. Or if there's anything else that's, that's on your mind from the, this sermon. You know, we want to do business with God and do business with each other. We have the almighty creator in our corner. That's a good place to start from. So please, as, as we worship together, if you want to just receive prayer or talk about anything, there'll be people at the back.